0: Everyone, welcome to Dairy and Animal Science Podcasts. i Terry Atherton. I'm head of the Department of Dairy and Animal Science at Penn State. I'd like to welcome you to this podcast. We have uh, Tom Kroll and Dan Brandt, dairy producers in Pennsylvania, who've been actively involved in the public discussion about the freedom to operate and the use of RBST in their dairy enterprise and do this in a way where it's a profit tool. So, Tom, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and your business?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, my wife and I, Shirley, have... Uh, Milk cows for 25 years. Um, My son uh, is now uh, running running the facility with um, um, him in crowds. And also, I'm uh, fundraising chairman for the Letting Guy Dairy Promotion. Uh, And I'm also on the board uh, director for the Center for Mill Calling Co op. So I'm quite active in the dairy uh, industry.
0: Thanks, Tom. Dan, what is your uh, farm business like? Well, uh, we, we run a partnership here, me and my brother. Uh, we run a dairy farm, about 100 cows. We also run quite a few extra heifers that we use as surrogate mothers. We have quite a, uh, an extensive
2: embryo transfer, flushing program, registered dairy cattle. And uh, the RBST is a little bit more of a tool for us maybe than the average farmer, although, you know, we always we get to milk production,
1: but we have quite a few cows that are open an extended number of days before they get back
0: labeling. And this confuses the consumers and implies a safe yes non safe product.
2: And that can drive people away from drinking milk in general because they're not sure what the correct answer is to all that. That's certainly a concern. And you know all all the milk in Pennsylvania is tested a minimum of ten times. Most of it's tested 14 to 15 times, I was told, you know, to ensure the quality, there's no pesticides, there's no antibiotics, et cetera, present. Also, all the milk is tested for temperature, bacteria levels, and a lot of other factors
0: to ensure that all milk is safe. And, you know, one other thing I had there about the that, you know, why can't they test for RBSD? They're putting it on there, but they can't test for it. It's because... It doesn't change the composition of the milk in any way, so it being safe. There's no change in the composition, therefore there's no way anybody could develop a test for cows that were supplemented with it or without. As you know, there's uh, stories that are going around about there being a test for use of RBST, and, and it's very clear that there's no method or assay available to differentiate conventional milk from cows that are treated with the technology. And as you point out, Dan, treatment doesn't change milk levels of the hormone, and and it's present in all milk. In fact, it's present in milk from all mammals. Tom, I'm curious, uh, what do your neighboring farm colleagues think about this and the folks that you've talked to in your part of the state as far as Do they see the light at the end of the tunnel being optimism, or do they see a light at the end of the tunnel that's the train?
1: Yeah, um, I I think most farmers uh, think that this is uh, a losing battle, and it's all over, Um, all the processes are going BSD free. But I I, I think the whole thing is a charade. I think it's a a huge wall that is very weak, and it's, it's held up by nothing. Uh, It's held up by lies, and I I know we give a lot of farm tours on our farm, and and, uh, we're we're very amazed that the parents don't know a lot more than the kids, and I don't know about their industry either, and it's important that we portray the truth about our dairy, the industry, and and the milk that they buy, and um, it's very dishonest and very rude of us to do anything else than portray the truth. I think we have a responsibility to keep our integrity uh, that we have and not lose that. However, there is farmers uh, that are starting to wake up and and understand that this is totally wrong and that we must do something about it, and we can. I think the the biggest push now is to get farmers aware of of the wrong that's happening and what we can do about it and how to encourage others to stand up and not let the consumer be uh, misinformed, uh, demand proper compensation, And uh, keep our efficiency tools. None of us would hire a carpenter that just had a chainsaw. Why? Why should we go back to the days when we didn't have tools and animals suffered? Need to fight for what we have here in in the United States.
0: In in the context of what can be done, as both of you know, the Secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, Dennis Wolf, uh, recently released from his office, new guidance that will take away these absence claims. Dan, I'm curious what your perspective is about that and how this is reverberating through the dairy industry as you see it.
2: Well I think it's an excellent idea that he came up with there to uh, you know kind of stop some of this labeling that there's no backing to it, no scientific backing to what they're what they're putting on labels in it. I think it's it's somewhat of effect, I mean I found it amusing that as uh, the general manager of our uh, the dairy that I shipped to that's putting pressure on us who signed a letter saying we're not going to use RBSP. I found it amusing. I wanted to see what his response was, so I called him. and said so he's out of the office all week, by right next week. <laughs> yeah. The week after that came out. But, uh, so I'm anxious to hear what he has to say since he's one of the guys that are pushing for this right now. They have a December 31st deadline if we don't sign a letter they're going to kick us out of the dairy. They won't pick up our milk anymore. And what's really concerning about it is I've heard some of the farms that all of a sudden they're rushing out to try to get milk so they can meet their daily needs for milk, for it's local schools and stuff. And they're going after some farms that were – I know the one farm in particular was on probation because their somatic cell counts were so high. And, uh, you know, it like, kind of concerns me that all of a sudden our dairy was – the highest, actually with the highest scoring with the federal inspectors in the state dairy, their average farm score, and all of a sudden just over this issue that can't be proven, suddenly they're willing to sacrifice quality and good farmers and farmers from the local area, you know, that's all that they're looking at, the RBST, and that certainly is a concern.
0: Tom, what have you heard from your shipper about how this new guidance for labeling will impact the ability to differentiate conventional from rbst free Have they said anything to you about this being something that they think is good, or have they, are they still continuing to say there's consumer demand and they need to source BST-free milk?
1: Actually, uh, Centerport Milk Hall and Co-op, which I'm a director of, was asked by Land Lakes, which I'm not degrading Land Lakes, they have... For a long time, tried to add value to products. Uh, but they, they got caught in the middle of this. But they they were asking Centerport Milk Calling Co op, which has about 10 trucks, to uh, segregate its milk, segregate its farmers that use BSD as they don't, and deliver it to the plants that the Central Lakes would have asked to deliver to uh, with no compensation.
0: And Centerport, uh, like all milk callers, have their expenses and. This would add to the expense, and then we just said, not with no extra
1: compensation. We said, we need uh, about 20% more to do that, and we want the 20% to be on the BST milk, not the conventional milk. That is the specialty milk that's where the charge should go.
0: So the 20% number you're referring to would be your assessment of a premium that should be paid. That's correct. The haulers would add that. To the bst free product, and not the conventional mill, just because it's already difficult to uh, keep the trucks full and keep the, the routes in a tight schedule.
1: This kind of breaks everything up, and uh, the cost has to go somewhere. So we we can just kind of the directors demand that it goes to the uh, specialty milk, which would be the bst free milk. because because that's it's it, it's like an organic light. You know, if the consumers really do want that product, then they can pay for the extra
0: cost. That so, has uh... You know, it's related to a petition that's been submitted to the Pennsylvania Milk Marketing Board by some dairy producers in Pennsylvania where they're seeking the, a hearing with intent being a ruling that would have milk dealers pay a fair premium to those producers that are hijacked out of using BST. And uh, so in Pennsylvania, there's two elements playing out, that and then the element that pertains to labeling and having truth in labeling. I have, in several presentations, talked about the United States dairy industry. If it were owned by private sector corporations like Pepsi or Coca-Cola, they would never, ever have a good milk versus a bad milk marketing campaign. And that's what the dairy industry has evolved to, and these scare tactics have been used in a way to differentiate the product. And I had just done some calculations about a month ago, Uh, The American Farm Bureau has a market basket survey of food prices. They started uh, collecting price data on conventional RBST free and organic, and at the end of the second quarter, based on this national database, RBST free milk was selling for about $18.40 more per 100 at retail, and yet very little, if any, of that's being shared with producers that have given up the technology. So... As many understand, there's a lot of money being made in this smoke and mirrors, uh, deceptive marketing campaign, and it really is uh, being driven by a good milk versus bad milk, and people are paying a whole lot more for nothing.
2: Well, I was talking to a Land O'League shipper, and he said there. He's an RBST guy, a free guy, and he said he's up to 20 cents per hundredweight. I found that amusing. He said 18 dollars. He was at nine last year but he's up to $0.20 cents now that he's getting on top, and you're comparing it to $18. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, penis. In, in the public demand, I don't... It's, 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 and that's, that's where I think it's all coming from. You see the companies that are in the worst financial condition are the ones that are pushing for it more than any, and I think they're just taking the wrong road. They want to protect their company if they're promoting something, but I think that's the ones that are pushing it. I don't really think it's consumer demand. In fact... The milk inspector that that was coming around to sign this letter was telling a farmer here not far down the road, he was telling him that, uh, oh, in the lab they get these calls all the time. So this farmer, as an example, he called into the lab, and actually he didn't tell his name or anything, and he said, let's just hear about RBST in the milk or something. That that can't be good for you. And he, he went on a little bit with the girl in the lab, and then he said, did anybody ever ask you that question before? And she said, you're the first one I've ever talked to. (laughs) <laughs> so, I find it amusing that
0: you know he called straight to the lab and she says she's a, he's the friend this was just last week and she said he's he's the first one she ever talked to. <laughs> so. it, well it's clear that a lot of people have thrown dairy producers, their ability to use profit tools and science right under the bus to make a few bucks and doing it in a very dysfunctional way by differentiating the same milk in a way where Instead of add, talking about the virtues and wonders of milk, it's sort of a takeaway and scare folks. One of the concerns is it's going to decrease consumption, and that will have an obvious impact on uh, milk prices.
1: And uh, the fact that we're paying 15 cents to promote our product, and we're not all working on the same team, it's, it's just a total waste of, of money and time and effort. Uh, It's like two, we're battling against each other, and it's it's just ridiculous. We we need to work together, and and the farmers need to somehow, I mean, we we seem like we're alone out here. We need to get organized and and come at these uh, processors and retailers with one voice and with some strength, and we can make a difference. We've gone after the processor,
2: we've gone after the, maybe the retailer, but, and we've tried to protect the public saying they won't understand, but I, I think maybe we were a little slow in that regard, because it seems the more I talk to the public about it, the more they're, they realize, you know, what the product is and how ridiculous it is, what's happening, because you have doctor after doctor that says, you know, there's no evidence that this is even scientifically possible to affect human, or human growth or anything, you know, so. I think we need to take it to the public maybe a little bit more and, uh, you know, educate them or just, you know, bring up the subject, and maybe that would make the dairy sweat a little bit. If they see maybe the low-income families or the, you know, the people that are out there, the obese these children, you know, if you drive them away from milk, what are they going to do? Drink soft drinks or unhealthy products.
1: Dan, you, um, you're a committee that got these uh, labels changed, uh, the laws changed. Uh, that did have some con- consumer uh, yes. groups in there. Is, don't you think that might be the best thing to do to, is to contact the, the leaders of these consumer groups? Yeah, I mean, they had a, they had a couple of
2: dieticians in there. They had the consumer advocate groups, some food industry representatives, and every one of them agreed with me and with, uh, you know, Secretary Wolf how wrong this is, you know. And because they were educated enough that they saw that you know there's just way too many studies out there, nothing that even composed close to saying it affects the composition of or could ever affect a human or anything like that, and that's what they were really disgusted about. Especially even some of the the people that were from the lower income, and they, they were something representing lower income people, and, and they were upset. He was rather huh? upset that people were having to be charged more and thinking they needed to buy that product in order
0: to keep their children safe. Well, that's one of the uh, issues that really is a huge problem that hasn't been discussed much nationally, and that is you've got at-risk health groups that uh, is associated with low income, so they're at risk, so they're the ones that most need access to an affordable, nutritious diet, So here they are putting a crack of being scared about conventional milk and thinking that they got to pay more so they get the quote better unquote milk and that's just nonsense. And so it further complicates and challenges their access to foods that provide nutrients for their daily requirements. I had a question, uh, Tom, you're talking about uh, the checkoff and some of that goes to Dairy Management Incorporated or DMI. Have either one of you had any of those uh, folks talk to you to ask what they can do to help and represent your interest in this discussion?
1: Actually, I was just at a meeting yesterday and the day before in uh, Angola, Indiana, and we discussed what can we do. One of the things was you heard of Voices for Choices, and that name has changed now to AFAC. But uh, one, my job is actually to contact BMI. Uh, and, uh, which I have in the past, but I need to, they, they must be on our side, and they must be uh, taking a stand for the consumer. Uh, and they may have, and I just didn't hear of it, but our money is definitely being wasted. They must take a up for what's, what's true there.
0: I was trying to get maybe some more people to even go in there to uh, the Winer's Dairy. Some of the our, uh, the
2: local dairy that's trying to cut off off right now, and I did talk to the president of, the, of our county chamber of commerce, And I said, you know, you're losing farmers here in the county. We're going to end up shipping our milk out of the county uh, where before this milk was produced and processed right here in the county, a lot of it sold here in the county. And that certainly had him wound up because he was at one of our informative meetings, and uh, he said he realizes, you know, all the the wrongness with this. And he's actually going to go in there to the plant next week and try to talk to the general manager, just kind of get his feel and tell him his concerns. So I think it's good if you get – you getting the state legislators talking to them. You start getting your chamber of commerce. Pretty soon, it's not just them thinking just the farmer the only one that's, you know, trying to use a product. And like I, like I said,
1: uh, Terry, uh, in these uh, dairy meetings, uh, similar to our, the one we had here in Shaverstown, they were very upset on the, on the issue, but they were very encouraged uh, of what is happening. And Dan's work here in, in uh, our state legislator with, with Dennis Wolf. Uh, and But we do want to make sure that things continue to go strong here and also move out and get this problem fixed. It has gone on way too long. If this issue was on AI, artificial insemination, I think it would never actually get off, you know, off the feet. But uh, we need to get the farmers united on this, and if they are shipping DST free that, that they get compensated for it. We don't mislead
0: the consumer, and I think that this will... Well, one of my encouragements is that the label guidance that the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture released uh, act as an encouragement to other state regulatory agencies. Uh, I've gotten some reports that that's happening. So my hope is that that other states will enact uh, guidance that protects consumers from deceptive absence claims and promotes truth in labeling, because the last thing we want to do is uh, misrepresent products and tarnish the, the brand name of the dairy industry. And some folks in the dairy industry seem quite willing to do that for a few extra bucks.
1: And it's really sad but that's the truth. You, you, you want to talk at all about uh, Voices for Choices and, and
0: the new name, the AFAC? You want to talk about, I bit? Sp- I've been asked to go speak at that meeting in Angola and couldn't do it. How many people are out there?
1: There was about uh, 75 in the evening meeting and about 15 or 20 in the, in the next day meeting. And I was very surprised. They were very intense. They were very um, angry. And they understood. understood what they, they almost, Most of the farmers out there are not in my shoes. They're, they're in Dan Brand shoes. They're, they're being forced to make a decision. They're being, being forced to find another home for their milk. And, and they're very upset. This is not... The way that things happen in America, there is finally a, a national organization. It's called American Farmers for the Advancement and Conservation of Technology, AFAC, It's in replacement of Voices for Choices. And uh, it's, I don't even know if they have a website yet, but it's um, it's up and running. And we we uh, everyone understands that this is now a situation. Things have to be acted on now, and we have to organize. And face what's in front of us. Uh, farmers have affidavits that they must decide whether to sign or not. We, of course, are saying do not sign them. And stop raising corn and
0: start raising cane. Tom, that's a wonderful uh, place to close. The reality is there hasn't been any national dairy organization represent the best interests of producers. This new group will do that. Uh, this is Terry Etherton from Penn State University. I've been talking with Tom Kroll and Dan Brandt, two leading activists in the campaign to present the truth about the dairy industry and to protect the freedom to operate. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for your time, Terry. This has been a Dairy and Animal Science Podcast. For more information, visit das.psu.edu. To see our blog site, go to blogs.das.psu.edu. Thanks for listening.